and welcome to the Powder Blue Report, second episode from Ash and I. Well, we'll start off with the big news, Ash. We'll get straight into it. Um, obviously, we had some great news on Wednesday afternoon um, in the UK. Yep. We're obviously doing signing up for New Deal. First of all, what's your reaction to it with your like contract head-on? Because obviously, you're, I mentioned this last week, that you're much more out of the two of us. You're much more like contractually minded and you've got kind of more of a finger on the pulse than I have. So I'll kind of come to you with that one. Then we'll talk about it as fans, which is probably a bit more exciting for me. Yeah. <laughs> well... Looking, obviously, at the contract now, um, we did mention on last week's show that we thought there might be some sort of Telesco wiggle in there, that we might not be the, the highest contract or it might not be the on yearly average, might not be as high or the guaranteed mm. might not be as high. But it obviously turned out that it was all three. So congratulations to Derwin James. He thoroughly deserves it all. Um, and the contract pretty much is within the parameters of what we thought, like obviously 19 per annum the guaranteeds the most for the safety and for the highest value. So I think that it's within the, I think it's within the ballpark numbers. I think it's just how it's split, obviously with the most signing bonus and how they've basically backloaded the contract is a little bit mm, uncharger like in some respect. Mm, yeah. Um, just with the dead money there. Cause obviously Telesco's renowned for, there's not a lot of wastage on our, on our, uh, rosters and salary caps at end of years. So he obviously believes Derwin will be important for the whole point of that contract. So I'm absolutely loving that he's signed. He's back in pads. Um, and as as a sort of like a financial standpoint, I think that, pull it back around, cap hit this year is 8 million. So I think it's dropped to year, uh, 1 million this year because I think mm-hmm. it was 9-4. Yeah. So now we're talking then 9. There's a potential out after three years and the dead cap will still be it'll be 14.2 million. So there is there is that potential if if injuries don't work out, but that's still, for charges, that's still quite a lot of cap that they would lose because they're not normally that high. They wouldn't lose that normally uh, high dead cap. So yeah. all in all, I think it's a great deal for Derwin. I think it's a sturdy deal for the charges. I think it's just because of obviously with how they've gone all in this year, they had to backload that contract. Otherwise, yeah. maybe that's why they, they wouldn't have been able to get that deal done. So, um, two shade of both parties there to to get it over the line. Yeah, no, it, it's kind of like you say, it's long lines of what we expected, isn't it? That he came in, reset the safety market, kind of. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say actually. You won't, I won't actually say that he blew Minka Fitzpatrick out of the water. It's a good no, deal. It's a good deal over, but it, yeah. it's, it is over, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a decent amount over. He also ranks fairly highly, and obviously, if he's if he's kind of being paid as a corner as well, which I found quite interesting, which I mentioned on our emergency pod that I did. Um, on Wednesday on my own. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting because obviously his versatility and things like that. But yeah. I, I've kind of listened back to it and I thought, I didn't actually say too much. I just kind of was really excited and just talked <laughs> about the numbers a little bit and got them all wrong. Um, so it's good to have you kind of being a bit more sensible and a bit more measured with the contract numbers. But um, yeah, it's interesting that his deal um, is really backloaded, like you say, especially with the injury history of Derwin. Obviously, we can't really shy away from it as much as we want to kind of not think about it. It's um, something to wonder, isn't it? And something to ponder, maybe the reason why there's a bit of a hold-up with it and things like that. But, um, you know, like you say, the chips have been pushed into the middle of the table now and it's kind of what we were asking for a year or two ago, wasn't it? In terms of, you know, while we've got Herbert on the rookie deal, we've got to kind of make a move and we, we seem to have definitely done that with, you know, we've got the highest paid centre, we've got two $20 million wide receivers, we've got Derwin now, we've got Joey Bosa, we've got Khalil Mack, we've, we've got a lot of players who are earning a lot of money. And... Um, 
yeah, this this season's like like I say the all in to kind of steal the Chargers in house production title for what the, the the season is all about now, really. Yeah, that's right. And like you said, with with how they structured <laughs> this contract, even though we've got a lot of dead cap at the back end, who's to say two years down the line, three years down the line, like Max not on the team, JC Jackson might not be on the team. There's always that potential for a restructure, do what the Saints do create a lot of that cap into a signing bonus, restructure it, less dead cap at the end of the contract. So it's kind of just kicking the can down the road with the dough and money as such. Like there's still, he's obviously got a big contract and there's a lot of guaranteed money, the most safety and most yearly, but there's still that option for the charges that once they, they've got this two year window, let's maximize it, get the most money we can to spend on everything we can to win, win now. Mm. And then we've got Herbert's contract, and then that's when we're going to have to reset all of our contracts and look at look at the bigger picture after. But yeah. for the time being, the next two years, let's just go, let's shoot for the stars. Let's go all in. I think that's how they've really done that, and 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 I think that's how they kind of sold it to Derwin that maybe we can give you this, that, and the other, and push push the um, the sort of big cap down later down the line. And then you've got, like you said, you can restructure it for signing bonuses and, and move the money up when we get some more money later on. Yeah, that's it. And you've got to kind of, like I say, you've got to go for it. I mean, when you've got a top five QB on a rookie deal, you've got to kind of go for it. And even if it is a short window, and then the window kind of changes because obviously Mike's contract, Keenan's contract, um, probably a few others. Lindsay, I think, is another one that's kind of expiring in that time frame. Yeah. And then obviously you've got to re-sign Herbert, and then a year or two later you've got to re-sign Slater. And it's like, obviously those two guys are going to be costing a lot of money. Yeah, probably going to be resetting the, the two prospective markets of their position. So, yeah, I don't think it closes the window because obviously he's still going to have Justin Herbert, but it's going to mean that the construction of the roster is obviously going to have to completely change. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure they're thinking about that now, and we just need to enjoy the next two or three years while we're kind of like say, like to coin your phrase, shooting for the stars as we should be. Exactly that. Exactly that. So, as a fan, obviously, we're, we're both kind of absolutely buzzing about this one. Obviously, it's, it just needed to be done. We, we talked about it last week briefly that we weren't really worried about it. It was just a case of um, sort of when, not if. And obviously, it just means that I can kind of look towards the season now. With, I mean, like I said before, I wasn't really too worried, but there's always something in your mind, right, that just thinks, oh, what if it doesn't really get done or there's a yeah. breakdown in communication or something like that? Yeah. It just means all that's put to bed now and you can kind of just look forward to the season and think, Apart from the right tackle spot, we've pretty much got a pretty, pretty complete roster here. There's no reason why we can't go all the way. Do you know what I mean? It just makes yeah. it really exciting. It means we can just look forward for the next two or three weeks to get out of the way and week one against the Raiders. Yeah, and as a player point of view, like I said, it must be great for them that one of their own, he's come through, obviously yeah. we drafted him. It's not like we brought him in and they can see a pathway. And also the defence as a whole, they're going to feed off that now. Derwin's now back in the locker room. It's no different when someone comes back from injury or something. It's a big lift for everybody. So that'll just be, it's, it'll just hopefully just push this defence on even more, actually having him out on the field, communicating with the guys. And we'll see what it looks like with pads on with him as as our leader there. Yeah, and he couldn't wait to get out, could he? Obviously, the, <laughs> uh, the text conversation that came out just after yeah. with his agent, you know, can I go and practice now? He's not really even bothered about the money and things like that, yeah. but just shows shows him as a player and as a leader, really, yeah. doesn't it? It's just amazing yeah. to see him. Like that's, why, that's why us, we, us as fans, like, we love him. Do you know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, completely. So, yeah. So, yeah, full steam ahead into the season. Um, we're going to kind of talk and look ahead to the season tonight. And basically what we've got prepared for you guys is we're going to look at uh, a variety of topics. I think we've got 10, 9, 10 topics or something like that. 
uh, to break down. And we're going to look at optimistic and pessimistic kind of versions for these players in the sort of topic that we're looking at. So kind of some floor and ceiling evaluations of some guys on the roster moving forward for this season. Now, obviously, we're going to say without injuries because obviously, you know, anyone can get injured at any time and just scupper anything that we say. Um, we've got a bunch of really interesting things, I think, that we can kind of look at, not just from players, but also as a team, um, looking forward to the 2022 season. So let's dive straight into that with the first one. Um, we we'll can rotate, if you like, but I'll, I'll kind of let you start off on this first one. Um, we want to talk about Justin Herbert and his passing yards and TDs. What's the kind of pessimistic and optimistic view for, for Justin Herbert passing yards and TDs from your point of view, Ash? Well, obviously... Can it really get much better than what he's been doing the last two years? I mean, you're sort of putting in huge, huge numbers. Was it 38 touchdowns, 35 in the air, three on the ground last year? We're talking mm. about serious, serious numbers, like Hall of Fame numbers, to be honest. I mean, if you follow fantasy and big fantasy fans and bits and pieces like that, you know how big he is now in fantasy football because he puts up so such big air yardage, so many touchdowns. Mm. He's got his legs as well. So... Personally, I think optimistic-wise, you're talking about someone that could maybe potentially hit that 5,000 mark this year as, as passing yards. Um, it's not. It's. I think it's going to come down to if you believe if there's going to be another asset, a fourth piece to the puzzle in regards to Allen, Williams, Eckler and someone else. So it depends on which, if you believe there will be a someone else and who that someone else will be, mm. who I think that could tip that to the 5,000 mark because they'd have to put in a season to match that because you'd be asking a lot for three targets mainly to put that sort of them sort of stats up. So personally, I think optimistic wise, I think that we could now be talking someone that can put that 5,000 um, air yards um, and maybe we could see someone, like you said, just just probably touching that 40 touchdown mark as well. So optimistic wise, I think that is more than capable and it would be great if, if, like you said, you put in them sort of numbers up. And if our defense is better than yeah. what we had last year, like even if it's better, you're talking about a team that should should make the playoffs with that. If that if that offense and Herbert can keep them sort of stats flowing um, and then pessimistic wise, like I think that. Again, it's going to come down to if if we see somebody tail off in regards to target share or something's not going right in regards to because we do we seem to have taken full advantage of of our of Eckler being a huge part of it and the reliability of Allen. So I think that having those two safety nets, if one of them goes down or if one of them underperforms as such, that you could see a drop off. I don't fit. I think the floor, to be honest, is four thousand still, mm. and I think it, it would have to be an injury, like I said. But I think the floor is four thousand. I think the ceiling is five as air yards. So, and I think you're talking if you'd be stre extremely disappointed if he threw under thirty touchdowns. So I think that yeah. like you said your difference is a thousand and ten basically between the floor and the ceiling, and mm. that's a lot in the NFL. You're talking about that's that's a hell of a lot of of, of floor space to, to grow but I think that he's far closer to the, the ceiling than he is to the floor absolutely yeah no definitely I completely agree with kind of how you're seeing it a little bit I've got my numbers a little bit higher um on both ends but the gap is fairly similar um so I was actually looking at maybe being a bit optimistic 
maybe too optimistic, but I guess that's the exercise. But I was looking into, I didn't actually know it before I looked up, what is the actual NFL passing record? Um, and it was 5,477, which was set by Peyton Manning in 2013. Denver Broncos obviously went to the Super Bowl. Uh, I believe they won that, that year as well. That was in a 16-game season. And obviously, mm-hmm. we've got 17 games nowadays. Yeah. Um, last year, Brady threw for, in obviously in the first year that we've had 17 games, he threw for uh, three, sorry, 5,316. So it was like 150 yards off. So, you know, is that within reach? I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility because, like you say, we've got all these pieces. And if someone does join, as you kind of said, you know, that threesome, it becomes a bit of a foursome. We've kind of seen Josh Kelly kind of, you know, showing out a little bit. He's always talking to Keenan, which I'm absolutely loving, by the way. Um, you know, how much he's getting in his ear and getting into kind of, you know, teaching the ropes and teaching more about playing the position. And then obviously you've got Gerald Edvert and obviously you've got Isaiah Spiller. Hopefully the running back room is going to be a bit more sort of um, even rather than just being all on Eckler's shoulders. So considering that Brady was only 160 hours under, I think, that, you know, it, the optimistic ceiling is beating the record, although it will have kind of have a bit of an asterisk next to it because it's a next, it's got one more game involved in it. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at. You know, it's pretty much 5,500 yards. And obviously, in the same sort of vein, I was looking at records for passing touchdowns. Now, whether he'll hit the 54, I think it was, that Peyton Manning hit on that same season is difficult because the Chargers are probably going to run it a bit more than what the Broncos did in 2013. But you think, you know, Mahomes has hit 50 as well. Could he do that sort of thing? Maybe not. So I'm going to say like 45. And that would still be quite a big jump from what would he get 38 last year. So it's still a fair jump with a real perfect season. So that's my kind of really optimistic view. But I see the the pessimistic in pretty much the same way. I, I find it really tough to really say like, oh, yeah, he'll hugely regress because, you know, why would he at the end of the day? You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't really think of one real solid reason. We've put the pieces around him. We've continued to grow the skill positions, the offensive line hopefully will be even better, even though it was pretty decent last year. And, you know, Herbert's going to get better himself, you know, going into year three. So I've kind of set the pessimistic at four and a half thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a bit of a, you know, a bit of a drop off from last year, but also not as quite as bad as his rookie. Not that his rookie was bad, but not as low as his rookie. Yeah. Maybe another thing is obviously the cheat, like the Chiefs last year where Mahomes kind of, was almost like figured out, it seemed a little bit. Maybe that happens with Herbert early in the year and then he figures it out. So he's got sort of a bit of a slow start. So maybe like, yeah, like you say, 30 touchdowns. So again, yeah. not like a huge discrepancy from his rookie year either. But maybe he kind of like regresses about that because of a slow start. But really, like you say, this floor is pretty high. Uh, but the ceiling is like enormous for yeah. me. Um, like I said, the, the, the possibilities are endless, I think, for this sort of offense because it mm-hmm. was still a top five offense last year. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, no, huge, huge um, place to start off. I don't know if we'll start off with such optimistic predictions, but um, Eckler touchdowns was the next the next one that we have on our list. And I'll, I'll kind of start off with this one. Um, and I don't want to kind of go from the heights of what I've just been talking about with Justin Herbert. So even in my optimistic sort of predictions, my kind of thing was, my starting point was, was last year the ceiling, like the absolute ceiling for Austin Eckley? He scored 20 total touchdowns. Obviously, that is pretty rarefied air as it is. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, given the fact that we've got all these players, you know, Jared Everett, Isaiah Spillers come in, and hopefully even Eckler said himself that he wants someone, whether that be Isaiah Spiller, whether that be Josh Palmer, uh, Josh Palmer, Josh Kelly, sorry. 
he wants someone to support him and take that RB2 role really seriously. And it was cut into his snaps and cut into his workload a lot. So if that happens, that all goes to plan, plus like the other receivers. I'm going to set the ceiling for Austin Eckler at 14 touchdowns total, whether that be rushing and whether that be receiving. I still think that's a great season. But, you know, before that, you know, 20s kind of an outlier because before that he got like 11. That was his highest. That was a few yeah. years ago. So that's my optimistic. It's like 14 touchdowns. And my pessimistic, just flipping it over to the side, if we're going to talk about Isaiah Spiller, um, as we will do later on, and he really does grow into that role. Or as I say, like Kelly kind of takes that role as well. And it becomes like a, almost like a three-headed monster almost with the three of them. He's going to maybe return to the touches that he used to have when Melvin Gordon was around as well. So kind of looking at the sort of ranges that he used to get in, maybe like eight or nine, you know, I think that'll still be like a decent return, especially if someone else is, you know, getting four, five, six. Uh, that running back stable, but yeah, I would say anywhere between eight to fourteen, I would say is the, the floor and ceiling for Austin Eckler touchdowns this season. What about yourself? Yeah, I think the floor is much higher. Personally, I just think that although we're we're talking about the involvement of Kelly, he's had a good camp. We've been mm. talking about obviously the new recruit of Spiller. I think still that Eckler is probably. I would even go as to say he's nearly as important as Keenan Allen. Um, just to this offense and how it ticks, how well he is out of the backfield as a receiver. Mm. And th- I think that sort of caps his floor because he's such a good receiver that touchdowns, to be honest, that I personally think that the his least touchdowns he's going to get is between 10 and 12. Okay. I think that it's it's he's so he's so pivotal to how this team moves the ball quickly and how it moves it dynamically that he can suck because he's such a good receiver. I think that his floor, his floor is still pretty high. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think the ceiling is where it becomes interesting because the ceiling, the ceiling for Austin Eckler, there's only one undrafted running back that's ever got 2000 yards and 20 touchdowns in two consecutive seasons ever. And that was Priest Holmes in 2001-2002. And I pulled up his stats. um, And I'm looking at the 2002 stat. And it jumps out at me is that could be a potential ceiling for Austin Eckler this season. And Priest Holmes done that at 29 years old. So it's not like he did it like when he was younger or whatever. Mm. He's done that in his 29th year. Um, and that total scrimmage yards was 2,287 and 24 touchdowns. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a beefy. And uh, it's not the fact that I see that is – I don't think it's beyond the realms of impossibility that that can happen. Mm. Just because I know 20 touchdowns is a lot. Um, but it's how – if you really, really believe that Justin Herbert is going to carry on that trajectory – yeah, it's do you believe if Palmer will be involved, if um, Everett will be involved, or Spiller will be involved, or will a lot of them touches in key downs and key areas will go to Eckler? And mm, I think I that see. they will. And I think that that's the thing is it, if you're goal to go and you're and you're right by the goal line, twenty yards down in the red zone, Eckler's the guy. You're not going to give it to Kelly with some of them fumble issues. You're not going to give it to a 20-year-old running back that's just come out of college. You're mm. going to give it to Eckler. And with an extra weapon there and Herbert having more time to throw because our offensive line is better, Eck, Eck, 
they're going to be covering Eckler. Let you're going to be lining Eckler up against a linebacker. Yeah. More times than not. So all of a sudden you've got you've got a really dynamic running back that's going to be going one on one against a linebacker. So I think that that is the ceiling isn't as far away as people think, and I think the floor is so so limited because of he's such an integral cog to the offense. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. So we've kind of seen both of these two slightly differently so far. That's interesting. Um, we mentioned and we've mentioned a few times Mike and Keenan now, so we're going to talk about their yards potentially. Um, I'm going to tag these two separately, so just take it from whichever angle you want to kind of start off with these two guys there, totally out of the season. Yeah, well, what can you say about Keenan Allen? I mean, oh, Chargers legend, really, considering yeah. where, where we got him and how, how, what a career he's had. Um, we're talking about, let's have pull it up his stats, 2017 is his highest. So you're talking about someone receiving 1,300 yards, but that year was only six touchdowns, but it's 102 receptions. So that's his career high, 2017. Again, I think you're talking about someone that if you think Mike Williams' involvement is going to be greater, because yeah. obviously he kicked on last year and all it did, did it push it did it push Keenan Allen's numbers down? It didn't push him down a lot. Like not too he's much, just yeah. pushed everyone else's up. He's just pushed Herbert's up, pushed Eckler's up. Like it's not that if you think Mike Williams is going to do that another jump up and take more targets away, but just look at it in training camp. Keenan's still getting open. I mean, you're talking mm. about a guy that's that's this one of the smoothest, if not the smoothest, route runner in the league. So, I still think that that floor for him, for him to be a disappointment, will be if he hits under 90 receptions. Mm. That is his. Yeah. That is his. I don't think Keenan would be happy with that. Um, I know for a fact that he probably wouldn't. So, yeah. And then I think that as a as sort of probably a ceiling for him, I would say that he hits that. 115 receptions, 1,200 yards. And I think that the ceiling is if he can break that elusive double-digit touchdowns because he's never done it in his career. So that that's the ceiling for me is can Keenan get the double-digit touchdowns? And Because he's always been fantasy-relevant in PPR leagues and everyone's yeah. loved him in that respect, but he's never hit the double-digit touchdowns. So the ceiling, is it going to be is it going to be the touchdowns of the ceiling? And for the, for the floor... Is the receptions? Is the receptions going to be under ninety? If they are, it will be a disappointment year for, for mm. Keenan. I think. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to jump in. I've got the optimistic um, sort of aspect of Keenan exactly the same. One thousand two hundred, and if he can break ten touchdowns, because yeah. he absolutely loves scoring six touchdowns in a season. I think yeah. like four times. That's yeah. just he's like that. Just seems to be his thing. Um, obviously he's got uh, eight was his highest, wasn't it, in his rookie year? I think that was. Um, but like you say, I think just going back, circling back to right towards the top, towards Herbert, I think one thing that we've got to remember is the whole plan is that the defence gives more opportunities to the offence. So you've got to think that Herbert's attempts should go up, maybe even like north of 700 if everything goes pretty well. Mm -hmm. you know. And that means that, like you say, these two guys don't take away from each other. It just all kind of grows exponentially so I don't think you're wrong there I think we see the like I said we got the Keenan figures pretty much bang on it's 20 uh, 1,210 uh, touchdowns um, with with Keenan like you say I think that we have it pretty similarly as well because he basically catches 100 balls a season right now <laughs> that's basically what he does that's his like, standard and he caught 97 I think I can't remember a few years ago and that was like you know it's pretty much 100 anyway isn't it what happens to Keenan eventually, though, would be obviously that Josh Palmer takes over. I don't think that's this year, but if Josh Palmer does go up and up and up, and 
I don't know, Keenan loses a step for whatever reason. I don't know why he would do that, but if that happens, that's the floor, isn't it? And like you say, it's kind of having that target share eaten into, and maybe he does drop down, and maybe Mike does become the undisputed number one, and maybe Keenan drops down to like 800 yards or something like that. I don't see it happening, but you know, if everything else kind of kicks off and Keenan has a bit of a quiet year, then that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're looking at. But he's still going to be an excellent receiver and you know, just part of the whole kind of group that's going to have a great season, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What, what about Mike then? How do we see him? And just before we get into that, actually, do you see Mike as the number one now or do you still see Keenan as the number one or is it kind of equal? I still see Keenan as the number one, but it's uh-huh. more of a 1A, 1B, more so than it was a one and two. Yeah. So I just think that since Lombardi came in, I think that they wanted to use, there was there was that talk of they're going to use Mike Williams like Mike Thomas. Yeah. That was the talk when it all started kicking off and, and can we see that? And last year, obviously, he put up great numbers. It, it wasn't the Michael Thomas uh, like stats as you would see because they didn't need to be because you had Keenan Allen. It's not like you have to pepper one target. You've got three. Yeah. So it was never going to be like that. But they did use him more than sort of what the Chargers sort of big guys are used to when you've used like the when they're Vincent Jacksons and Malcolm Floyds and stuff like that, where they were predominantly the outside guys that the receptions weren't high, the yardage was, and the touchdowns were always big. And you can kind of, I can see that parameter again, still being that case. And I think that there was a pull when you said, what was the ceiling of it pulled me up to, I remember a fantasy season I had, and there was a player that put up, 80 receptions, 1,400 receiving yards, and 14 touchdowns. And that was Alan Robinson one year. You're a big fan of Alan Robinson as well, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I I still think he's – I think he's – I mean, he's tailed off a bit now. But that sort of – I think that is – like I said, it was. it's exactly the same with what we said previously, is if you really believe that that Herbert trajectory is going to go up, I still – the ceiling ceiling for Keenan Allen is – it bumps up a little bit. Can he get more touchdowns? But it's always around that. The floor and the ceiling are quite close together. Yeah. Whereas Williams, yeah. I think that the, the discrepancy can be quite big. I think that the the ceiling can go astronomically high. It could be mm. he could it, he could break that sort of 13, 1400 yards if they're going to be airing it out and there's be big time throws and big time catches. I still think that he is that that is that is his bread and butter. That's where. We've known him and seen them. We've seen them Hollywood catches before. And can we see it this year in a high level and with more receptions as such? And if he puts up, because let me pull up his, his career stats now for what he's done in the past in in stuff, total receptions. I mean, Mike, Mike's career in general has been 67. pretty high variance, hasn't it? It's yeah. Been, so like his, his, career, his career high is 67 receptions. But that, and you, you're talking a bloke that nearly got, he nearly got 1,100 yards with that on 67. So if you say he catches 80, just say he catches 80. If you're talking about a yards per catch, they're like it's in like the the 16, 17, 18 mark. So it doesn't take more, it doesn't take many more receptions to jump that yardage high. Yeah. So it's different to Keenan. You don't see like he might catch 100 balls, but they're all they're all intermediate routes. Whereas Mike's the big guy over the top. So if you if you project his his receptions to be higher. Then his yards are going to go up even more yeah, because because of the difference in the yards. So, yeah. you, I could see that as as a as a ceiling for Mike to be up there at that eighty catches for fourteen hundred and fourteen because he's still that big target. 
you're talking about someone you can you can literally jump ball it to like a Megatron in the end zone and yeah. in nine times out of ten really he should be getting up there and getting that. So that that for me is his ceiling. And then you're talking about floor. I think that he'd be very, very disappointed if he gets below 60, 60 catches and he gets below one thousand, he gets below ten. I think that really is his floor. I think that mm. he'd be disappointed with it. I think that I, I think that he is going to get more touchdowns this year. I think he's going to get more more yards and it, it's just down to if you think that that um, he's going to get more receptions because obviously they'd have to jump up a lot in targets as as air yards if he, his receptions don't follow the train of yards and touchdowns as well. Yeah, like you said before, right at the beginning of when you were talking about Mike, like his usage is completely different to what it was. Like in the Anthony Lynn days, it was just kind of long passes that you just I mean I think he had one season you probably got it up in front of you if you've got his stats he had one yep. season where he averaged 20 yards a catch wasn't it a few years ago yeah it's like it was it was that was 2019 he had he had 49 catches and he had over a thousand yards mm. yeah but I don't think he's that sort of receiver now because we use him in these shorter situations yeah. and we get the ball into his hands much quicker he's, yeah he's become much more of a diverse receiver now which I think yeah. is to his positive and I think yeah. it means because he does have that like you say that um ability to go deeper not that Keenan can't catch deep balls, but he just doesn't kind of get used in that way. But yeah, I think Mike's ceiling's ever so slightly higher, both for yards and for touchdowns. You know, if we're talking about Keenan breaking double digits, I think Mike would be disappointed not to. So if we're talking about absolute ceiling, I'm talking like 15 touchdowns, I'm probably bumping up to 1,300 yards or something like that, you know, because yeah. he, like you say, he won't catch 100 balls probably, but if he could, you know, or push towards it, then you are looking at a massive, massive season. You know, yeah. but you could definitely go for um, you know, 1,300, I think. And I think he could get in the end zone a lot more because obviously he's, he's got that height, he's got that ability to probably be used in the red zone as well. So I think really, if you're going to, and then, you know, both these things, both these seasons, I think for Mike and Keenan can coexist. I don't think there's that's out of the realm of the possibility either because that's just having a really good season both together. And they had both 1,000 yards season last year. So if we're bumping up, um, Herbert and his stats up to the levels that I'm talking about, like record levels, then there's no reason why this can't happen like at the same time, which is crazy to think. But, you know, if we're thinking about the treatment for the stars, as you kind of said at the beginning of the pod, then there's no reason why this can't happen. But um, thinking about the floor, I think we have, we, we've, we've have seen a raise in Mike's floor in the past couple of years because as much as I just said a minute ago when you were pulling up his stats, he has had a high-variance career. I don't think he's that high-variance player anymore. I don't think that we're going to see the days of him scoring like two touchdowns a season like he did a couple of years ago really randomly even though he got 1,000 yards or yeah. you know 600 yards because he's only getting the, the long passes. Mm-hmm. I think it's really dictated whether Josh Palmer really kicks off or not. And if he does, then that could eat into Mike and Keenan. And maybe we'll work towards these kind of pessimistic, but then it's kind of spread amongst three receivers rather than just two. I think his floor is like 900 yards and like eight touchdowns or something like that. I, don't, I still think it's pretty high because he's being used in the way that he was. Yeah. If it was still this like sort of long, deep ball receiver, then maybe we are looking at 600, but because of his usage now and it's, it's much better for him. Yeah, I think we're 100%. looking at about 900, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll flip over to D for the moment. Um, I think we've got a couple of defensive side ball questions and topics to talk about. Uh, we've got Joey and Khalil Max sacks for the season. Um, obviously, we can't wait to see this partnership erupt, by the way. It's just going to be so much fun. <laughs> um, I'll talk about Joey at first. Um, so... 
pretty much if, if Joey Bosa plays like 16 games, he hits double digits. So that's kind of the floor kind of sorted kind of quickly because, you know, if we're not including injury in this, then if he plays 16 games, then he's going to, he's going to play, you know, he's going to get that. Plus, obviously, you can give him a little bump up as well because obviously he's never rushed opposite Mac and he's never had this much help on the defensive line either. So let's just kind of say Joey Bosa's floor is 10 sacks. I kind of think I'm kind of comfortable with that. Maybe pretty similar to Joey, I'm going to start off with with the pessimistic for Khalil as well. Like, you know, he still looks like he's got a lot of juice in the tank. You know, reports out of training camp have been good. He was playing really well until he got injured last year. But he's never been like a huge, huge sack guy. He's, you know, he's had a couple of months seasons, but a few years ago now, you know, his, his most recent really big season was in 2018 when Staley was his coach in Chicago. But since then, he's not actually hit double digits. Maybe, you know, if something goes wrong and Joey's eating it all and like the other guys are eating it all, maybe Chris Rumpf has a, a resurgence and we'll talk about him a little bit more in a bit. Maybe he gets like seven, but like Joey Bosa goes nuts on the other side and gets gets like what I'm going to talk about in a minute with his, with his optimistic. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I see it. I think they could easily hit like 16, 17 between them. And that's on a, a bad season, do you know what I mean? That's with other players having a good season to take away from it. On the flip yeah. side... With the optimistic, obviously, like I said, I think the starting sort of point is 10 and a half because that's what he got last year. The defense is better now. He's got more help. His career high is 17. No, sorry. His career high is 12 and a half. I think he's going to comfortably clear that. I think he's going to comfortably clear his, his season best, Joey. And I think he could move towards 17, something like that, and real kind of push those numbers really, really high and have like a monster season. Because uh, I just think that the way that we've been talking about these receivers potentially taking away from each other, I don't think it's going to work like that on the defensive front. I think it's going to be that they'll try to feed each other and only create opportunities for each other. So yeah, I'm going to I'm going to put Joey's ceiling at 17, um, and I think a lot of what I've just said about the whole situation and Joey kind of transfers over to Khalil as well. Like he's never had a Bosa on the other side of him. You know, I think Robert Quinn is maybe the best, <laughs> the best um, sort of running mate he's had. Um, you know, like I said before, he's kind of had the pedigree and everything else that's gone along with him. Defensive player of the year, second um, behind Aaron Donald a couple of years ago. And like I say, in Staley's system, he's got 12 and a half sacks previously, um, which wasn't his career high because that was 15. I think that was the season that was talking about in the Raiders earlier. Um, and he, he also, like I said before, he's had a good season last year, six sacks in seven games. So the juice is definitely still there. You know, as long as his foot's correct, it's fine. So I, I think he can equal that career high if he has like a monster season. Maybe not these two monster seasons can't coexist, but maybe they can. I don't know, but I think it's less likely. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say his season's maybe 15 if the if the beast is still there and it all kind of comes to fruition in this year. What about yourself? How do you see these two guys? I'm so excited to see these two go again. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. it's going to be it is going to be such fun for the Chargers to see this. Give us short fields instead of freaking starting on our own five things like that. We're gonna, it's gonna be, and I, I see, I see, I can see what you're, what your, what your take was with, if one person's ceiling would be more so one other person's floor. Can they coexist as one unit and both have high numbers? Mm. I think that the 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 more there's more likely that Joey will hit will break the single season sack record for the Chargers, which is set by Merriman at 17. It's yeah. more it's more likely that Joey breaks that than Khalil, which yeah. 
And I I personally think that is his ceiling. Can he break that record? Now he's got somebody, because we've talked about how talented he is and we talked about how disruptive he is, but the sack total is it's always been the quarterback just gets away from him and yeah. this happens. Yeah, and the quarterback's not going to have anywhere to run now. He's not going to be able to get away because we've got a nose tackle and we've got another edge and we've got guys coming out. So it's not, it's going to be, there's going to be far more time that Joey's going to be able to feast on. And I think that 17 and a half sacks, can he break that? That's the ceiling. And I think that the floor, like you said, I think that comes down to how, if Max is involved. And I think that if Joey has a floor, it would just mean that Max had more of a ceiling season. And I think, yeah, can, uh, and then that will be, can Mac get back to the double digits, which he hasn't done obviously previously in the last two, obviously there's been down to injuries and in some, some bits, but I think that, I think that sort of like, can he get back to 12? Can he get back to 13? I think that is a, that is definitely a possibility. Mm. And I think between them, what I would love is I would, I would say as a combination pairing, I think that if a floor is 22 and I think the ceiling is 36, I think the ceiling can be that high. I think that yeah. you could, it would, it would take it the, obviously maybe the nose and we don't get a few combinations with other guys chipping in with sacks. But I think that we could, we could see one of the, it's kind of like that season when the Vikings had Griffiths, uh, Hunter and, and Everson Griffiths on the edge where they were both absolutely feeding on that, mm. that season. And they were, I think they both hit like the 15 sack top totals. And I think that that could be similar for us this year. Yeah, no, like you say, I can't wait to get this, this season started and see these two guys. Obviously, we're not going to see any of these two guys in the preseason. And I would love Joey to, to break that record as much as, you know, Sean Merriman's an absolute legend. But I would love it to, for him to kind of get everything come together because like you say far too often a quarterback seems to just wriggle away or he just kind of doesn't get him down it's just like so frustrating sometimes but i think both of these two guys are really excited to play alongside each other as well which is fantastic but just kind of before we move on snap question i know we're super biased on this but are these two the best duo in the nfl would you say fully healthy like you can't really name anybody can you honestly like <laughs> Every, all, everyone's banging on about Crosby and Chandler Jones. Like, nah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, if, if Joey and, and Khalil are both on form all season, then there's going to be a problem. Serious problem. <laughs> it's a good problem for us to have anyway. Um, moving on, we'll kind of move away from defence and move on to a new a new player. Um, we're going to talk about Gerald Everett. Um, obviously, a big upgrade on Jared Cook in terms of athleticism and hopefully in terms of concentration. How do you how do you kind of say see his season going in terms of yards? It's tough for Everett. I think obviously he's coming into a new offense. You're talking about a player that didn't really work out at Seattle. He's mm -hmm. always been capped when he was at LA with Higby, um, and the most ever receptions he's ever had is 47. Yeah, so it's not a lot. Is that? It's not I was a lot. Quite surprised to see that was so low. So you're talking about someone that hasn't been as targeted because of, I mean, his athletic traits when he came out. I mean, you're talking about a, someone that was drafted in the second round, pick 12. Like, he had all the traits. The Rams obviously saw something because they drafted Higby the season before. They obviously saw something in him to say, well, we need to get this guy involved in an offense. So the mm. traits are there and he's still only 28 and he's only just turned 28. So we're talking about someone that's still really in the prime of his life. So... I personally see the floor being the ceiling. 
I, I just I just know just because of how I think that if you say is Trey McKit is McKitty there and is Parnham also going to be involved as such, but I think that Everett's going to be that fourth player. I know everyone's also talking about Palmer, but I think that with how Lombardi likes it set up, I think that Everett's really key and they, that's why they really wanted to get him in. I think that they mm. see him as this sort of big body guy in the middle, athletic tight end. And I, I personally think that that floor will be around what he's he's been putting up over the last few years, which is sort of 40 receptions, 400 yards and four touchdowns. I think that is the floor this year. I, I, I just couldn't see it being any less because of how you're statting Herbert out, how you think this offense is going to work. If he's not involved, then he's it's, there's something seriously wrong. So I think that's that is the floor for him, and I think the ceiling. Could we be pushing double? Could we be could we be pushing something like eight hundred? Mm. He's never going. We're never going to get an Antonio Gates because we don't need an Antonio Gates. We don't yeah. need this high powered. But if you look back at sort of Hunter Henry stats, sort eight hundred, eight eight touchdowns, and you're talking about someone seventy odd receptions, sixty something receptions. So. That's double whatever it's ever put up, and and it's not like Hunter Henry was like we were blown away by Hunter Henry's stats. So <laughs> the it's it's just it's a it's going to be really interesting to see how they use Everett this year, and I think that we could see someone that's then back on fantasy radars and also back just back on where really the promising second round pick where actually that's that's how that's how good he can be. Yeah, I I agree with the the pessimistic kind of view on this in terms of his flaw. It's basically just what he's been ticking along doing. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see him getting much worse than what he's been doing for his whole career since, you know, since he came into the league. You know, four hundred odd yards, a couple of touchdowns here and there. I don't really see him doing any worse than that because, like I say, Lombardi does love a tight end. He loves how to use him, and like I say, they kind of targeted him specifically to come in and, and be this upgrade as we hope he'll be. I, I also see it pretty similar in the the optimistic side of things as well. Obviously, considering that. In his early career, his quarterbacks have been Jared Goff while well, he was at the Rams. Obviously, he, he kind of left to, for Seattle before, obviously, Matt Stafford came in. Mm. And then, obviously, he's come to Russell Wilson. But as much as Russell Wilson's a good quarterback, it's been in Seattle where they've been a bit rubbish and they've not really wanted to throw the ball and it's been more of a running team. You know, Russell Wilson only threw for 3,100 yards or so last year. It's not not conducive to getting a huge amount of yards. And Russell Wilson doesn't throw over the middle, even to tight end. So I do think that, yeah, like you say, if everything goes up, as we've kind of all been talking about in this positive sense, yeah, I think 700, 700 yards, I think he could do that. I think he could do that relatively easily, like you say. Hunt yeah. Henry used to do. I don't know if he'll catch 70, 70 balls that you said that Hunt Henry caught. I don't know yeah, if it was around 68-ish sort of stuff when he was putting up. Obviously, he had that season where he caught, I think it was 9 or 10 touchdowns Hunt yeah. Henry that year. Yeah. I think it was the last season with Rivers or something. Yeah. So, but um, I don't expect the touchdowns to be... I mean, that's his ceiling. I think eight touchdowns is his ceiling, personally. I think he's. I think where, where it becomes interesting is his yards because of that over-the-middle yards-after-catch sort of tight end because we haven't really had that for a while, the yards. No, after. Hunter no. Henry was never a yards-after-the-catch guy. No. I think Everett can kind of be that. I think that maybe that's why we've got him in as this this sort of player. So I think that that's where... I think that if if everything goes up, I think the yards will go up considerably. I think the receptions will go up a little bit, and I think the touchdowns will go up a little bit. But I think where where will, he's going to make his money is the yards after catch. 
It is it. That's exactly it. That's the, it's the kind of the same formula that we were talking about with Mike, isn't it? You know, his, his yards after catch or his yards per reception is much more. So he doesn't need to go up that much in his, his terms of his catches numbers, which I don't think he, like I said, I don't think he'll touch what Henry was doing, but his sort of yardage will, and it can be. I think he'll, he could hit 700 if, if all goes well um, with him. So, yeah, no, I think we've got a lot of weapons that I think that's what we're establishing that could all have great seasons. And, and we'll talk about at least one more in a little minute, but we'll flip back onto over onto defense. Um, I want to talk about Chris Rumpf because obviously the training camp kind of stories are all great, you know, about him putting weight on, about him being stronger and things like that. So I also know that you were you were big on him, obviously, as I mentioned last week, a couple of years ago. So um, I wanted to kind of throw Chris Rumpf in there. Um, I'll kick off with this one. Um, like I said, we, we've kind of heard all the kind of optimism coming out of camp. And if he can be that kind of third edge, if he can establish himself and, you know, alongside Carvanoi, because obviously he's going to get a good good amount of snaps as well. All I want to really see, really, is Chris Rump doing better and developing, because that's all he's there to do, really, at this early stage. But he got one sack last year. You know, he's not going to be a full-plan starter by any means. But if he's, if the arrow can point upwards and he can become stronger, become better against the run, I think four, I think four would be a pretty decent season for him. I think that can be a very good season for him. And be the ceiling that I'm kind of looking at. You know, if he if if he not quite developed to the level that he needs to yet in terms of the floor, and you know, Calvin Noyes kind of like cemented as the third edge, and it doesn't mean he gets loads of t- game time and snaps, and he's mainly just a special teams player. I don't. I think his improvement will lead to more sacks because he will just kind of just play to the echo of the whistle every kind of play that he's on the field. I think he'll get two. You'll get two at least just through pure effort. So I'm going to set the floor at two, the ceiling at four, which isn't like a huge difference. I know I kind of see that, but we're obviously talking about the third, fourth edge on the team as well. So and a developmental player at that one is you know coming into his third year. So yeah, we'll kind of see second year, second year, isn't it? Not third year. Yeah, second year. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he's going by. Let me kind of toss it back to you though and see what you you think about this guy because obviously you, you were big on him, like I said. Yeah, I mean, I I was bound, pounding the table for him yeah. as that as that edge that we should take in last last year's draft, and like for me, everything I saw on tape, it just screams that sort of charges mentality of what I want on my roster. Like the the work ethic, the character, everything about it. While I was watching on tapes or interviews on him when I was when I was scouting the draft prospects, yeah, I just absolutely loved him, and the, every they, everyone had doubts and. And I can't say that there wasn't question marks about him. Was he good against the run? I don't know. Like you're talking about someone that's very lean, very, very raw in regards to playing against NFL style of players. Like, can he move up to that level? There was loads of question marks about him. But what I loved about him and what I thought that he would become is he's he's never going to be a Joey Bosa. He's never going to be that sort of player for us. And I don't I don't ever think he will be. But we're talking about someone that's a fourth-round pick. If he was going to be Joey Bosa, he would have gone third overall. So I wasn't pounding the yeah. table Ross, to take him in the first round. It was a pounding the table because I think that he can give us something that we've never had before, and that is a third rusher. And I think yeah. that having somebody like him as a situational pass rusher, someone with a high, high motor that's lean – that can it can he can both is going to get in sometimes you're going to if they if they don't want Bosa and Mac to eat they are going to make it as crowded as possible along that line and yeah. to have someone that's nimble quick 
can can get through gaps. I'm all for having an asparagus being our third, <laughs> third pass rusher. Like I just think that he has got that disrupt disruption about him that he he's one of them guys that I think they would just will never give up on the team. And having him as a third guy, I think that is I think that he's going to be he's going to step up to that mark this year. And I think that his his ceiling, I think, is probably about rightly. I think his, his ceiling is probably four or five. Mm. But what I what I think that's going to you're going to see a lot of is you're going to see a lot of pressures. And I think that that's where he'll start making a name for himself is they won't be talking about what his sacks was. They'll be talking about, did you see how much pressure that Rumpf put on that guard, put on that tackle, put on that QB to make him make take that throw or take all that running back to make that move? And I think that that's where you're going to see the, the elevation for Rump this year. I think that that's the growth he needs. It's not about the snaps and bits and pieces. I think that you're just you're seeing a player that the sort of the fruits are coming out now and you're seeing what he can be. And I think that it's never going to be, you're never going to get 17 and a half sacks from Rumpf and he's going to be a 270 edge rusher, um, mm. edge stopper. It's just not, it's not, it's not his game. It's never was at Duke. I just think that, but to be that third guy and be that reliable third guy that picks up them five, six, seven sacks a season, because I think it will just elevate again. You get five this year. And then by the time he hits like, and you, you're talking like, you treat him like Nawusu in some respects. You're like, oh, hang on a minute. This guy's mm. going to be getting seven sacks for us as an edge guy, as our third guy. Like, I, I just think that's kind of what his ceiling is. I think that's what he is as a player. And I think the floor will just come down, like you said, to if Carl Van Noy is, is going to be seeing the field more. There's talk of Jamal Davis. He, he's mm. looking good in camp as well. Is he going to see and how they line up as a D in, in base and in how game flow goes? You could even see a ceiling where he doesn't record a single sack, but I think still think his um, his sorry his floor where he doesn't record a single sack, yeah. but I still think his floor will be this guy is improving and this guy's this guy's pressure and his work rate and everything about his total game as a edge defender is top notch. Yeah. And that's that's the progression we want to see. And how can it not be? You're in a room with Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. Like if you're not learning from them guys, is Dad's XD line? Like you're talking about someone that should be learning from the best. And I think that you can see that for just through his character and through his interviews. Yeah, no, I completely agree, mate. I completely agree. He he doesn't strike me as someone who doesn't have the ingredients to succeed. You know, in this in this sport. You know, like you say, he's got a great kind of room behind him with experienced guys who've done it. And he's obviously got the, the bloodlines as well to do it. And like I say, I think his personality says it all, it? I think we all root for him and we all yeah. want to see it all from him. So, yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And um, like you say, if he if he can just generate those pressures, that's going to cause turnovers anyway through it. And obviously pressures are a more a sort of stable start. His sacks can go up and down season to season, mm-hmm. as we've kind of been talking about. So it's difficult to predict the sack numbers, but the pressure, if that goes up, then happy days because sooner or later, if he keeps generating enough pressures, then the sacks will yeah. sort of surely follow. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next one, then flip back over and um, onto offense and talk about a rookie and a guy that we've mentioned a few times before. What about Isaiah Spiller? What sort of season can we be expecting from Isaiah Spiller uh, for his rookie year? It's a difficult one, I thought. It's really difficult. I think it's, this is the one where, if I'm honest, it's a complete unknown. I think it's going to come down to are we going to see them keep four running backs on the roster like they did? Mm-hmm. Like if Roundtree's still there and you've got four, four guys, you know Eckler's going to get his, his, but then you've got three others. If Roundtree gets some bits and if obviously they use the new guy Howarth as, as a fullback and like this, 
Jusitsky role, whatever. Like you, you've got you've got a little bit of a crowded backfield that it might become a little bit of a learning curve for him this year. I said on the previous pod he was the youngest draftee in the whole class. So like yeah. talking about someone that's just turned twenty one, he's literally just turned it. So he's so super young. He he, he was very raw at Texas A and M, and but he was putting up good yards and and everything as as like true freshman, freshman, etc. So like you're, you're talking to someone that came in and was impacting straight away. I just think that the step up in level, it might be a, a season too soon for him. I think that the ceiling, I think that is probably going to be capped at sort of like that four or 500 yards combined mark, because I don't think he's going to be as integral part of the offense as we need him to be. And if I'm honest, I hope he's not. I think this year, I think I hope he works it like past pro and everything else. And I'm hoping Eckler stays fit and obviously he gets the rest and Kelly steps up and Roundtree does a little bit. And I'm hoping all the running backs combined, they actually, we don't need an RB2 as such like this. It's like Nick Chubb and, and sort of Hunt sort of stuff. I don't think yeah. we really need that because we're not that sort of team. I think we just need him to step in and just do what he can do this year. I, I think the ceiling is going to be sort of that 400, two or three touchdowns. And I think the floor is going to be sort of like maybe just 200 yards and, and maybe just a touchdown itself. But I think that it's, it's just going to come down to how you see that running back backfield as a whole. If you think they're going to keep four, if they keep four, I, I think it's going to be quite hard for him to impact because they obviously think that he's not ready enough for them to only keep three on the roster. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting that you brought up Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb because that's kind of who I was looking at to be kind of a. It's obviously not a similar in style, but similar in kind of standing. If we were looking at an ideal one and two with with Eckler and, and Spiller, if he wins the, to, the RB two job, like for his for himself, and you know Josh Kelly stays remain as, as RB three, although that seems kind of unlikely considering that Kelly's having a really good camp, but. I did kind of mention in my notes that I've kind of made like to mention Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and they are like the gold standard. I think that's a few years away. I think in a few years we might be looking at maybe Spillers pushing 800 yards, maybe a thousand all purpose and things like that. And that can then supplement an absolute, you know, number one kind of back like we have with Austin Eckler like, doing everything that he does. So I kind of tempered that a little bit that if he does win the RB2 role, which being a bit more realistic in the middle of this, as you've kind of said, is maybe looking to be too optimistic because he is so young and um, you know, Kelly just seems to have been having a camp. I think maybe the season is more like maybe 600 if mm-hmm. he really kind of does everything right and the opportunities mm-hmm. come his way, but maybe that is very, very optimistic. And um, the pessimistic side is fairly similar to how you've got it, really. You know, if Kelly kind of say just cut into everything and Eckler kind of takes all the short, short yardage stuff. You know, it could be more like 350, more sort of what Kelly was like in his rookie year, 350 with 100 receiving, hopefully yeah. without the fumbles, as you kind of mentioned earlier. But maybe yeah. that's what the kind of floor is, and he kind of grows into the league a little bit slowly. But it's a difficult one to place, I thought, with, with Spiller. So I thought it'd be an interesting one to, to kind of discuss because it's always really difficult predicting rookies, and especially rookie running backs in a crowded room. So an interesting, an interesting one to begin with. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, it's it's one of them ones where everyone wants him to just straight off the cuff. We got yeah. an RB two. It's a it's a one one A one B situation. I just think it's so it's so much to ask from a twenty year old guy that that's literally just just 
finding his feet really in the NFL. And mm. he, let's remember he's a fourth round pick. It's not like like we've taken him in like the second round and things like that. And he's, I think that you just got. To, I think that like you said, keeping keeping your feet on the ground. And I think that make, just making sure that he does everything without being silly, like with the fumbles and making sure that he picks up his his, his blocks and, his, mm, and, mm. and it doesn't sound flashy, but as an RB, like we, you want that state stability as an RB too, because at the moment when Eckler's not in, we haven't been getting that. We haven't been getting yeah. high yards on the ground. We, we haven't been getting good receptions. We haven't, it, we, it seems like we're always having to fall back on Eckler after he's just pulled off a massive play, he's like, now you have to get back in, mate, because you might yeah, be like, like gasp on the sideline. Yeah. Over the year, can run more than a yard. <laughs> so it's kind of like, can he? If all he needs to do is is it, to be the RB two, he just needs to he needs to just beat out Kelly, and he needs to beat out Roundtree, and and he can can he do it? Yeah, absolutely. That and that's his ceiling. Can he beat two guys that have been in the league two years, one year and two years? Can he beat him out straight from the guff because he's a better player, and that is his ceiling. And then floor wise. Is he just gonna is his the is Kelly's and Roundtree's elevation and their play gonna limit his floor? And, that, and mm. I think that's just it's just it's just been going to be a battle of who performs for that RB two to see if the if his ceiling or his floor is where it is. Yeah, no, I think you've summed it up really nicely, mate. I think we maybe need to do look at this one as a bit more of a realistic one. I know we're talking about pessimism and optimism as floors and ceilings, but it's just having a dosage of realism and, and kind of taking that in, in, in as much as we don't want to, because we want all our draft picks to be incredible from the get-go, but it's just not possible for everyone. Um, but yeah, no, I think you've not amazingly well, to be honest. Um, obviously, we've been kind of talking very statistically, very like numbers-based, but this next one that we've got isn't really numbers-based at all. I wanted to talk about what the floor and ceiling of Michael Davis's role on the team is um, moving forward, because, you know, it, it's changing you know we've got jc jackson number one cornerback we've got asante samuel obviously drafted last year and a couple of years ago davis was the number one corner and even though it wasn't an ideal role for him but um obviously like i say it's changing pessimistic i'm going to start with that because because i think this is without one sound really bad this is probably the more likely one but i've put this my pessimistic view is he's actually traded away during the season mm-hmm. he's a cut candidate anyway he saves a bunch of money so if he's still knocking around at cornerback four, middle season, or if someone comes in and plays a bit better than him, and you know he's looking like he doesn't really make the field as much as the Chargers want cornerback depth, I think the absolute floor if someone comes up and takes his role as the fourth corner, I think like they might look at him and think, well, we might as well go and get something. So even if it's like a sixth, seventh round pick for him for someone who's desperate for a corner, and you know instead of having to cut him later in the year, we get an extra draft pick out of him. As bad as that is, because he's he's a decent player, you know, he's not a bad player at all. I think that is the flaw, the absolute flaw, because he ain't gonna stick around not wanting to play, or yeah, know, doesn't want to stick around not playing. Um, optimistic, you know, we talk about oh, the media talks about the sophomore slumps a little bit. If Asante Samuel has one of those, then he could find his way being CB2 behind yeah. Jackson, you know, and that's where the good depth comes in, that's where the beauty of it comes in, because you know, you've got Callahan who's gonna lock down the nickel. For us, and then obviously you've got you've got Davis and Samuel behind Jackson. You know, and if Sante is not playing too well, then take him out. You know, give him a bit of a breather. He's in his second year. You know, and you've got Davis in there. Um, and you know, we were talking last week about the DBs and how much of a good room that's looking as a whole. You know, mixed with the safeties, you you might be able to give him a game out or give him some 
series out and just let him kind of catch his breath a little bit. You know, and if that does happen, then Michael Davis could play the CB2 role, um, you know, for a few games, you know, and kind of as much as they're not going to write off a Sante Samuel if he plays a few bad games, but, you know, Davis could come in and play that. And I think that's quite a high sort of variance between being a solid CB2, which is probably Michael Davis' ideal role, to be honest. Yeah. And not being on the Chargers come January. Um, but that's, I feel like that's the kind of personifies the make or break season that he's got in front of him. 100%. I think you've absolutely nailed it on the head there, really. I think that, like you said, he's it's one of them ones where I personally think that he's, he'll still be gone after this year. I think that with the with the cap and everything, I think it just works out with who we've got to re-sign, who's on the... Our, our cap's not looking great no. um, for the next year. <laughs> no, so it's, it's not. not... So there's going to be some tough decisions to make. And it's sort of like, it's it's a bit horrible to say because obviously Davis has been put a shift in for us for the last few years and he earned that contract because of how he played that that season when he got it. So, but I think that it is, this is the year where he can go out in a blaze of glory in some respects with his ceiling and he could go out in a whimper with his floor. So it might be that mm. it's the, the, the light was, the fire was burnt brightest when he actually signed that contract and ever since it's been distinguishing and then, it could be the fact that, like you said, you give Asante Samuel, you don't want to make Asante Samuel sort of like be in situations and, and as a sophomore, as are you putting him too much on, on him as a sophomore when you've got JC Jackson there, Callahan there, and you've got even, even like you said, you've got Derwin there, who's as, as a corner, you could probably still say he's probably a top 25 corner. So you're talking about guys that are like, we've got the potential there to be able to, sort of cover up Sonny Samuel would say if if he needed rest. And then that obviously brings us to the point with Davis is Davis, I personally think Davis has always been his best when he's playing against speed, when he matches yeah. up against speed. And I think that that might be where he comes back into the forefront in Chargers fans' minds. And I think mm. that we'll be like, oh, actually, Davis has put a shift in today. Davis has done well for us today. Davis has been a really, really solid piece for us today. And yeah. I think it comes down to the schedule. And I think, like you said, I think that there's some key games where we're going to need Davis. And I think that's where a ceiling comes in. I think it's going to be Houston when we play against Cooks. I think it's going to be Seattle when we play against Lockett. It's going to be um, uh, Arizona when we play against Hollywood. Um, and it'll be Miami against, obviously, yeah, Tyreek. Yeah, model because there's two of them. So you're talking about some games where he's going to have to step up big. And I think that out of this, can he come back and show on the field and get another payday, even if it's not with us, from another team? And I think mm. that's where what Davis's ceiling is going to be, is can he can he kick his career and make it further down the line if he signs another two-year deal with someone else or another year with someone else and earns a little bit more money? I think that's what he's going to look at as a ceiling. Can I extend my NFL career past this year? Because in all likelihood... It's, it's a business and the charges won't have enough money to keep me. Yeah. So can my ceiling be, can I, can, I, can I prolong my career? And the floor is, I don't want to be another one of these corners that free agencies happen, drafts happen, and I'm waiting for this t another team. So I think, like you said, it's, 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 we're looking at a business side here and a situation for us. The ceiling is, can he be the CB2? Even if he is, he's probably still not going to get paid, <laughs> but can he kick his career on? And also... Is he just going to go out and whimper and not really be anything for us? And we're going to have to rely on a Sonny Samuel. We're going to have to rely on other defensive backs, even like Campbell and some of the young guys, more than him. And I hope that's not the case. I, re I do re really hope that he can he can sort of 
bring back what he, he was a couple of years ago. Mm. Yeah, no, like it's having you've you've kind of emphasised it even more than I did in terms of how much of a make or break season. You know, he's literally playing for his next contract. You know, for the next few years of his life, yeah. I guess, in terms of his, his NFL career. So, yeah, no, hundred percent. It's a, it's a really interesting situation. I think he finds himself in because it's not an easy situation to be in. You know, he's got to kind of play from behind the eighth ball, and he's got to like say earn that next deal because it's almost certainly not going to be with us, which is. Mm difficult mentally you know he's talked about his he's kind of how he was kind of distracted last year but maybe we'll discuss that at some other point moving in then to the last the final final question that and kind of sort of subject that we're going to talk about and it's the team record for the season so everything coming together um do you want to kick us off with this one yeah so i had 11 and 5 um i said i think we're going to start hot this year mm. i think we're really going to start hot we've 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 got Vegas, Kansas City, Jacksonville, Houston, Cleveland, Denver, and Seattle. And I personally think that the only game that we're going to lose is Kansas City at Arrowhead. And I think that that is, that is probably, to me personally, there's only one other game in there that I feel that might be difficult. And that is Denver. Mm, yeah. And that's at home just because of... There's such an unknown. I think that we're going to be so pumped for that Raiders first game. I think that it, the revenge story is going to be sweet. And then yeah. it's going to, it, obviously, we'll get brought back down to earth a little bit with Kansas City as the next game. We won one. But then it sort of kicks on for from then. And like I said, on when we did the article, I think that we're going to start hot. And I think that that's the ceiling for us there in regards to just before the bye. And then after the bye, <laughs> it's going to be the same old charges. It's going to be one of them ones where you see, Four wins, four losses. When we've got Atlanta, San Francisco, Kansas City, Arizona, Vegas, Miami, Tennessee, and Indianapolis, and them games are so that the the teams you're playing against there are so up and down. It mm. just reminds me it could it can be one of them ones where if you catch them on the right day, the ceiling could be oh my god, we've just won the last seven after the bye, and we are number one seed in the AF West. Yeah, and and in the AFC, but. And on the flip side, if you catch them teams in the wrong week, they're all difficult in their own way. So at Atlanta, I still would fancy us to win that. But then after that game, you're playing at San Francisco. What what are San Francisco going to be with, with Lance? You're playing Kansas City again. Can they do the double? You're playing at Arizona. Can Kyler Murray turn up? At Las Vegas, can the Vegas fans get behind car then you've got miami what is miami is it is tour and hill and what all the real deal you you would probably know by then because obviously they've yeah. had so many games yeah. already and then you've got tennessee and indy which tennessee are horrible to play against <laughs> horrible to play against with simmons and henry it's like will herbert even see the ball after time because of they might just run the ball out of everything and we've never been able to stop the runs so hopefully they uh, um austin johnson and that can stop it yeah, and then obviously you've got Indy, where with under Matt Ryan they could turn up on their day. So I had us having four and four, but if you had to pin me down to who we win and who we lose against, and out of their eight games, <laughs> I'd be like, I haven't got a clue at the moment. Like I, <laughs> I can't see the teams. You just don't know how they're going to turn up. I just think it's going to be one of them charges up and down, topsy turvy. As we there's games there we should have won, and then there's losses there we should have lost, and it, then it's going to come down to that battle in in LA and then 
I think that's where we will see if this team is the real deal. And yeah, I, think I mean, that is the ceiling where we can. I think the ceiling is sort of like the ceiling is we could be the number one C in the AF, um, AFC. And that is not an exaggeration because of yeah. what we've got on D, what we've got on offense. That is the ceiling. And the I personally think the floor, as it should be, the floor is making the playoffs. The floor isn't not making the playoffs. The floor is making the playoffs. We've made the playoffs. We're in the playoffs and we're in it. We're in the lottery because that mm. that with how much money they've spent, that should be the floor. And I think realistically, that is the floor. I know we've got a tough division, but we are very, very competitive. And this is the best roster I've ever seen as a Chargers fan. So yeah, personally for, sure. for me, that that eleven and five, I think that that is pretty much bang in the middle. And if you're talking about floors, I don't think it's going to be. There's only be one game less, and if it's ceiling, it's going to be a couple of games higher. We see it again. We see it pretty similarly. the The thing is, I look at the the schedule, and if I'm thinking truly like peak optimism, I don't think there's anyone to truly fear because, as you say, this is the best Chargers team team we've ever seen, and we can win every game. Whether we do or not is a different story, as we've kind of experienced over the past few years when we've lost games that we shouldn't have and maybe won some games that we shouldn't have as well, or. You know, we've come out of the coin toss win and we've got it. If everything goes to plan, I think the ceiling is 14 wins. I really think we can go that high and that would pretty much certainly get you the number one seed. I feel like there's only three games where I think it either doesn't suit us or the team's other team is better than us. And that is the Rams game, which I think is week 17. The Titans game, so I just don't think they just they don't don't suit us at all. I think the way they want to play it, as you kind of said, just doesn't suit us. And then going to Arrowhead, I just think has its own kind of issues and, and things like that. I do see what you mean in terms of the Broncos and playing them in Mile High is different, but I, I feel like you know they're they are going to have a few changes and they're not you know it's not that got like continuity that the Chargers have. Same with the Raiders. You know, they've got a lot of introducing new pieces for the Rock Broncos. It also is introducing a new quarterback as well. So let's say we lose those three games that I've just mentioned. That's 14 and uh, 14 and three. I think that's the absolute ceiling of this team. Whether that's realistic or not, we'll kind of come back to in a minute. But the floor, like you say, I think the floor is kind of it edges on the division almost in terms of if you end up like kind of losing a bunch of games in the division, say you lose like four out of the six games, then you really find it an uphill battle both to make the playoffs and also to have a half-decent record. Mm. And as much as I don't think they will, I think they're more likely to maybe split every series and win three and lose three. I don't feel like they... like I feel like it's possible that all those games would go either way. So it is a possibility that we could lose four and only win two out of those six divisional games. Mm-hmm. You know, and if the personnel changes don't work for whatever reason, is there a chance that we could miss the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, does it really mean that if we lose four games out of those divisional games, it's pretty tough to even see nine and eight, you know, and that's really, really, really disappointing because that's probably not going to be the playoffs. And that's pretty much impossible, I think, with this roster. Or it seems like it because it just looks too good on paper. But you know, if every kind of close game is is down to a coin toss again, and we lose a bunch of them as well, then that's the same old charges. And it's kind of plays into my mentality of I just want us to make the playoffs, and that's it because 
you know, we I'm sick of being off season darlings and we need to make the playoffs. However, the realistic thing is probably some, somewhere in the middle. And I, I agree, really. I think we're probably going to end up something more like 11, 12 win team rather than 14 or nine. But I think, you know, there is a little bit of variance in this. I think we we need to actually take Patrick Mahomes' words. We need to actually believe it before we see it. Do you know what I mean? And mm. as much as it looks good on paper, we actually need to beat these teams and not just be like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're better now on paper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's difficult. It's different. It's difficult to predict as well. Yeah, it's really difficult to predict. Like you said, in, in the NFL, you can never predict anything because most of the time you'll end up with paint on your face. Like you literally <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they'll definitely beat them. And then all of a sudden they get hammered. Houston like, game, right? Like, Boxing day. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, and it's it's no different with other teams in the NFL. Like, you're talking about the Bills last year. lost the bloody Jets. Like, how, yeah, like, how yeah, does that happen? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's, it can it can happen. It's not. We're not saying that we're mind reason. We know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But I'm just going to go on probability betting odds. Like what? What? What is? What is? What is everybody saying at the moment? And what they're saying is that this team has a legitimate chance to go all the way. And so you, you can't really say, "Oh, that's not the ceiling," because it is. I mean, you, you're talking about the most talented roster I've ever seen. Like seriously, so there's so yeah. many players. And for us to not make the playoffs, you're going to have to say about. There's going to have to be like. Probably like sixty percent of them players are not going to have to turn up. Yeah, like, yeah. that's and that's serious. Like you're talking about Mac not turning up, or Bosa not turning up, or JC Jackson not turning up, or Herbert not turning up, or Allen, or Williams, or Eckler. Like the There's list goes many. on. It's too many. You can't all have bad days. Like, and I think at the end of the day, talent wins out. And you might have a bad day from time to time, but you're never always going to get it wrong every week. Mm. So. They'll have bad games. And that's why I do see that topsy-turvy. There will be a point of the season, there always is, where things aren't quite going right. And you'll have all or nothing will show up. Oh, like it's, it's really hard at the moment. Or hard knocks will be like this. Like You always have these topsy-turvy points of the season where they make it like, and it's just about character and how that locker room can hold it. Mm. And I think that with the guy like Staley, the leaders we got in there, I think that the mentality that we've been bringing them from, like you said, we've been we've got Mac that's been doing it for years. We've got JC Jackson who's part of the Patriots organization. You, you're talking about Lindsay as part of the Packers organization. We've got winners in there. We've got Lombardi from the Saints organization. We haven't just brought them over from the Jags and the Texans and the Jets <laughs> that they haven't been doing it forever. Like we've got them from winning organizations. So their mentality and character should be a lot, a lot higher. Mm. And they should and now we've got sort of like a settled season where we've had we've got Herbert and Lombardi as well as 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 a second year together. And Herbert's not had that. So mm. like I said, I just think the the floor really for us is just making the playoffs. And then but if you're just making the playoffs, it's anything after that. It, yeah. It's yeah. just that one week you don't turn up and you're out. So I just think that last year was a bit of a heartbreak for us because of how we didn't make it. And and to be honest, we didn't we didn't make it, and we weren't we weren't really that great in some games. Like you got hammered by the Patriots, we got hammered by some of these teams, and I just don't really see that happening this year. Like I don't see the floor being so bad, like mm. winning them games. So I can see how people would say, "Oh, they might not make the playoffs because our divisions got harder." But I still I still think with our schedule, and that's what I've looked at is the schedule. And it's I know we play in a tough division, and I know we play in a tough conference, but mm. when you actually look at the games, you're talking about 
games are winnable. You, your Jacksonville, your Houston's, your Seattle's, your Atlanta's. I mean, the best quarterback he's playing against there is Trevor Lawrence in four <laughs> of those games. Like, yeah. like Seattle have got Lockle, Geno Smith, Atlanta's Mar- Mariota. You've got Davis Mills. You're going to have Jacoby Brissett, Cleveland. Like, we should be winning these games. Like, yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not a flaw. That is just a fact. You should be winning that game. So, the floor isn't the floor isn't not making the playoffs. The floor is just making the playoffs and not looking particularly good doing it. And mm. I think the ceiling is, well, hang on a minute. These are serious Super Bowl contenders. And that's just going to come down to the Chiefs and the Bills in that AFC as well. Like, how how mad is this AFC going to be this year? It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it is. And I think it's going to be like that for quite a while because, obviously, you mentioned the Bills and the Chiefs, both got young quarterbacks, both young superstars. And then you've obviously got Burrow, you've got Lamar, you know, if Trevor Lawrence actually, you know, develops, obviously last year is kind of its own little thing, but if he actually goes on and develops, then he can be, you know, a big player in this this conference. And, you know, you're going to have other guys coming in soon as well because, you know, like so the Colts are probably going to have to win after Matt Ryan's gone. And this FC is going to be incre- incredible, like, set of quarterbacks, and that's just one half of the league. And the, the NFC is looking like it's lagging behind a lot right now, I think. Um, but yeah, no, like I say, I think we're from for a really good season with all these kind of floors and ceilings. Obviously, a lot of it will be somewhere in the middle, but this is a team with huge, huge potential. I think that's the bottom line here. Yeah, 100%. So that's everything for today. Um, we'll kind of just signpost where we can find us on social media. The podcast is at Powder B Report. I am at Wakefield90 on Twitter. And Ash, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? Axel's at 999s. Yeah, so give us all a follow. And uh, yeah, we're going to be, as I kind of put out a tweet, just to kind of signpost everyone as well, we're going to be dropping our pods um, Friday, uh, Friday evening. So it's like in the afternoon for any people over in the States that want to listen. So it's at a regular normal time and not first thing in the morning or the early hours. So we'll be we'll be kind of dropping them by eight o'clock on a Friday, which will be kind of lunchtime for anyone listening over in the States. But thank you for all sticking with us. This is our second episode, our pessimistic and optimistic takes for the season. Plus a little bit of Derwin James action right at the very beginning. Um, it's been a long one, but uh, yeah, lots of lots of great chat tonight, mate. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, so yeah, thanks again for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. Um, we'll be discussing the 53 round roster prediction next week. So yeah, hope you can join us for that one. <laughs>